Leverage, where it's all about your book and how to create a greater impact and a greater income with it. This podcast is for the author who knows there's more you can do with that book. Whether you're publishing your first one ever or you've written multiple bestsellers, the path to greatness begins by looking around and seeing that you are, at this moment, standing right in the middle of your own acre of diamonds. My friends, your book is a brand. I'm Parshel Tashi, creative entrepreneur and education design architect, and I'll be your guide diving into the minds of successful authors, renowned publishers, and industry experts to glean practical wisdom you can integrate into your book writing, launch, and marketing strategies today. You'll hear straight from the source how authors like you were able to publish their best work and build wildly profitable, successful businesses around it. Welcome aboard the Author's Leverage. Hey you, welcome back. This is another episode of The Author's Leverage. And today you're in for a treat because we're talking about how authors can become authorities. And today I'm joined by Kim Thompson Pender. She is the extraordinary word ninja, CVO of RTI Publishing, international best-selling author and host of the Author to Authority podcast. And she knows the power of words and how to use them. She didn't write for 30 years after a teacher told her that she was no good and she should stop. Ugh. Then she became, then she came to a crossroads and chose to let those painful words go. Since then, she set her words free and she's gone on to author more than five books. And most importantly, Kim started RTI Publishing and has helped over 200 entrepreneurs to become authors and authorities in their niche. Welcome to the show, to Authors Leverage, Kim. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. Me too. So I, you know, even like hearing your story here, a teacher of all people, that kind of hurts my heart. But a teacher told you that you were no good and that you should stop writing. What was going on at that point? Like, how old were you? Um, you know, when when did that happen? And how did you eventually let that painful experience go? Well, it actually started when I was four and my mother passed away. So, you know, that was very difficult. Now, thankfully, I have an amazing dad. Okay, I didn't, I don't have one of these stories where, you know, my mom dies when I'm four and I'm raised by, you know, this drunk, abusive man. My dad was amazing. Actually, when my mom passed away, some of the family said, you know, David, you should give the girls up for adoption, my sister and I, um, because there's no way a man can, you know, raise girls on his, on his own. And, you know, in language that I never use, my dad basically told them, you know, to either help him or take a flying leap because he was raising his girls. So, you know, that's where that's the foundation of the story. Now, let's jump forward. I'm seven years old. I'm in grade two. I have this beautiful, wonderful, smart, talented, kind, caring teacher. And I, I fell in love with her. And to be honest, I, I thought she was my mom. I really, truly thought my dad would marry her. Like, I didn't know if she was married or not. Like, I didn't know any of that stuff at seven years old. I just thought my dad's going to marry her. She's going to be my mom. She's going to take care of me, right? That, that grieving little heart, you know, just wanted a mother. And in grade two, I could finally write all the words. Because, you know, from the time I was little, I've had this incredible vivid imagination. Still do. And in grade two, I could finally write down all the stories, you know, all the things that have been going through my, my brain. 
And I don't know about you, but I remember the first time that I wrote something down and, you know, you give it to your teacher and, you know, she looked at it and she said it was good. Well, you know, that's all my seven-year-old grieving little heart needed. My mom said it was good. So I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. And, you know, like every day I was handing her like, you know, piles <laughs> of papers with what I had written. And, you know, back in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, I'm pretty sure they didn't have a course in teacher's college on how to deal with seven-year-old grieving little girls. Mm. And so, and I don't even know how old she was, but I emotionally overwhelmed this poor woman because it wasn't just the stuff I was writing to her. You know, I always wanted her to pick me first. You know, I was trying to be in physical contact with her all the time. Like I just wanted a mom. Mm. And so one day, you know, and I, I truly believe this. I believe it was set out of frustration. You know, she had probably been trying to get me to back off of her for a while, but just didn't know how to do it, right? So one day when I handed in that, you know, pile of papers to her, she looked at me and she said, Kim, stop writing. You're not a good writer. Mm. And, you know, that crushed my heart. And like the intro said, I carried those words for 30 years. Now, I carried them subconsciously. It wasn't like they were in the forefront of my brain. And it's not like I remembered all the time that this teacher said this to me. But it's just every time I went to write or every time I went to kind of do something like that, you know, oh, you're not good at it. Don't do it. Mm. And so, you know, I did. I hit a crossroads actually 10 years ago when I was 40. I'm now 50. And I was an entrepreneur and I had an opportunity to get a website. Now, back 10 years ago, you could do your own websites. It was not easy. It required a lot of learning, but you could do it. But one of my mentors at the time had a special deal where he would set up your website for you. And I had, I had wanted a website forever. And I was so excited. And he emailed me and he said, Kim, you know, your website's ready. We just have to set up your blog. So I had emailed him back. I said, what's a blog? Back then, I didn't know. I mean, I'd been reading them, but I didn't know what it was called, right? And so uh, he, um, he, I only remember the first few words of the email he sent back. And it said, hey, Kim, you have to write. I don't even remember what the email said after those words. And in that moment, I was in a God-inspired crossroads. And I knew it. And so... You know, I had to do a lot of soul searching. Memory started to come back. That's when I remembered what the teacher had said to me. And I looked at that situation and I did several things. First of all, I took responsibility for my part in it. Because I knew what I was like back then. I know I over emotionally overwhelmed that poor woman. Right? So I took responsibility for what was mine. And then I forgave her. Hmm. Because I recognize she didn't say those words because she meant it. But you know what? Even if she did, I still would have forgiven her. But I recognize that she wasn't saying those words because she meant them. She was just saying those words to get me to back off. So I chose to let them go. Now, the hard part was starting to write. So my first blog post, which was maybe, maybe 400 words. Maybe. I'm not even sure. Took me three days to write. 
And back then I wrote everything out on paper and then typed it into the computer. So I had about 50 to 60 crumpled pieces of paper on the floor by the time it was done to take to write my first blog post. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, every I think everyone has some sort of a story and how they you know, got over whatever hump or challenge that was there, even subconsciously from what you discovered. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're able to get that first piece done and -hmm. to get it up and to get it published. I think that's incredible. So first off, I I could, you know, I commend you and acknowledge you because a lot of people I know are are still, are, are, I should say, stuck and, you know, haven't Mm -hmm. been able to get over those humps, but you surely have. And now fast forward, you know, a number of years, you're actually helping other people to do the same or to become not even just an, an author, but an authority. So what is it meant for you to be in the position you're in now to, you know, not just help people write something, but to actually establish authority within what they write? What does this mean to you? Well, you know, there's a couple of things. First of all, back when I was, after I wrote, when I was writing that first blog post, a couple of things that came to me that maybe will help somebody here who's stuck. So what I realized was that maybe I'm not the best writer. Okay. Now I passed English. I actually got English honors in English, you know. So when I say I didn't write for 30 years, you know, obviously I wrote. I mean, yeah, I yeah. passed high school and, you know, you know, I, I would write things, but I never wrote the things in my heart. The things that I really wanted the world to hear. So what I first realized was that, you know, uh, maybe I'm not the best writer. But I'm good at learning. Mm-hmm. So I might not be good at writing at first, but it doesn't mean I can't get better. And the only way I'm going to get better is to write. So if you're sitting out there and you're thinking, but I'm not good enough, well, join the crowd. Who is? (laughs) Right? You get better the more that you write. So that's just for someone. Now, where I am now, uh, I remember when I published my first book. And, and this is significant because this laid the foundation for where I am now. I published my first book. I was in um, network marketing and I wrote books to help my team members because I didn't have time to train each one of them individually. And there was so much I wanted to teach them. So I thought, you know, if I wrote books about it, they could read the books and then I could do short sessions with them to, you know, for just the little areas. Right. And. The company I was in was across my country, Canada, and there was representatives in all around the world. So I decided to publish the books on Amazon because then other people could take advantage of them as well. So that was my main goal in writing my first three or four books was just to teach skills, you know, teach foundation, teach some theory, right, on, you know, how do you build a network marketing business? And I put it out on Facebook. I was in several different groups. You know, every time I had the book for free, I would post it and lots of people would download it. So the main goal wasn't really to make money on the book, but just be helpful. And I went to my first conference after writing the books. And all of a sudden, I was like the star of the conference. The whole time I was there, I had people come up to me telling me how much my book had helped them. I mean, the whole time I was there, people were like, did you bring extra books with you? I want to buy your book. So-and-so told me about your book. And then all of a sudden, now had my knowledge changed? No. But now that I wrote the books, 
all of a sudden people wanted my knowledge. Hmm. All of a sudden I was seen as that expert because I wrote the book on it. I had the same knowledge before I wrote the books and yet no one saw me. I was not visible to the world. But as soon as I wrote those books, that's when the difference happened. Mm -hmm. And and that's why I, I, I'm so passionate about it because it's, an amazing way for you to gain the visibility you need for people to see you as the credible expert that you are. Wow. Wow. Right. There, there's this perception and then, mm -hmm. and then we can talk about it. There's this perception and this is what I tell my clients, but you might as well go with the perception. The perception is, is that if you're an author, you're a more credible expert than someone who is not. So let me give you a really quick example here. So a lady I know, and she did this before we met, she's now my client, but she did this before she was my client. Um, she had contacted hepatitis C as a child, didn't know it till in adulthood. And by then there was already a lot of damage in her body. And so, you know, for about 20 years, she had to learn how to successfully navigate living with, with hepatitis C. So a couple of years before I met her, she decided to write a book about it. She hadn't even finished the book. She was, I guess, about halfway through and she just started telling people about it. Well, she got on radio. She got on television. Um, she spoke at, at one of Canada's largest hepatitis com um, conventions. And there was doctors trying to get on that stage. She hadn't even finished writing the book, but because she was writing the book and she could prove it, they put her on the stage ahead of doctors. Wow. Why? because she was writing the book on it and mm. the doctors had not. <laughs> and the doctors had not. It's a perception. Yes. Wow. But why not use the perception? Exactly. Exactly. So I, I get what you're saying now. That's how it's about, you know, going from author to authority because you're perceived as the, as a credible, you know, expert or individual in your subject matter and hey you wrote the book on it so if there's a question to ask or you know things to be sought out to be shared on it's going to be the person who wrote the book on it um and and why do you think that that is when you talk about the the perception that comes from you know having written a book why why does that matter and why does that change people's perception of you know of of, of the person who wrote it i think because writing books are so hard Yes. It is and it isn't. Okay, once you learn how, it's not. But learning how to write a book is hard. And, I mean, books are valuable. I mean, think about yourself or even other people you know. People do not throw out books. They will give them away or they will pack them up and tote them from place to place to place to place they live. They may never read the book. Or they may have not read the book in 30 years, but it doesn't matter because you do not throw out books. Books are valuable. You either give them away or you keep them. I mean, it's almost sacrilegious to throw a book in the garbage. Mm, mm. It's true. <laughs> it's like, why are you throwing this away? At least give it to someone, you know, because we want to pass on that knowledge. We want it to still exist, right? To still reach someone. Um, so that's that's extremely powerful. So can you talk a little bit about how you specifically help those that are looking to get into authorship? 
So I work with entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches. That, that's my niche. That's who I, I really allow to shine. And I help them by ghostwriting, producing, and publishing in collaboration with them, their signature book. Now this signature book becomes a foundational marketing tool in their business. So it's not even just about writing the book and the credibility, the book becomes a tool. Now, if you know, when you write a book, if you people, people have been told, and this is a lie, have been given the perception that if you write the book, it's like the field of dreams. If you write it, it will come. You know, what will come? Success, sales, all that other kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the truth is, no, it does not. It's a tool. If you aren't using the tool, nothing happens. Mm. You know, and if you want to really get your book out there, you have to do marketing. Now, I'm not talking about... Well, you can do this, but mar not marketing is not necessarily in the sense hiring a big marketing company and online advertising and stuff like that. Marketing at its essence is just letting people know about what you have available. Right. So it's about letting people know that you have this book. It's about getting it into their hands, whether you sell the book or whether you give it away. A lot of my clients, you know, are high level entrepreneurs in that they don't sell the book. They give it away. So let me share with you. I'll grab one of my books here. Okay. Okay, this is Larry Levine. Oops, camera. This way. It's reversed. <laughs> there <Sorry>. we go. <laughs> so this is Selling from the Heart by Larry Levine. And uh, there you know, you can see it a bit better. Mm. And okay. That's there. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Larry is is an amazing success story because um, he already had his he already knew what he wanted to write about. He already knew it was selling from the heart. Um, he wanted to get on some stages and the stages told him, listen, you know, you're an expert. We love you, but you got to be an author to be on our stage. So, you know, Larry and I it's a whole story how Larry and I connected, but um, you know, after he wrote the book, amazing things started to happen because he was getting it out there. Even when he was writing the book, he was telling people, <coughs> excuse me, all the time about it. And, you know, for the first 18 months after the book was published, um, he just really got it out there in all the ways that he can. You know, he'd give people free copies of the book, you know, printed copies. He'd mail them to him, right? potential clients, stages he wanted to be on. He got, he really got it out there. And he was already t training small corporations on, on their sales teams, but because of the power of the book and getting it out there and then getting on stages, he is now working with huge international conglomerations to train their sales teams because he used the book, he got the book out there. You know, he made mm -hmm. it available. That's powerful. In many ways, online, offline, like it, it didn't matter. Social media, it was all over the place. And he got the book into people's hands and then news started to spread. Mm. You know, now he also speaks on a lot of stages. He's invited on to major podcasts. You know, he's part of sort of the inner crowd of, you know, the top elite sales trainers in North America, you know major companies even banks now 
major um, uh, national banks mm. in both the U.S. and Canada are now requesting that he comes in and trains their sales teams. Wow. That's powerful. And, I, you know, I love stories like that. I mean, that's essentially when I think about the phrase, the author's leverage, Mm-hmm. That's what comes to mind is the ability to take that piece of work that you've written and what you can do with it on the back end, right? And how to grow it and mm-hmm. how to do uh, a number of things that was mentioned with uh, Larry, it was? Yeah, Larry. Larry. Yeah. And that, that to me, that's what it's all about. So I'm curious from your perspective and in your words, when you hear the, the phrase, the author's leverage, what comes to mind for you? What does that mean? Okay, think of leverage. This thing, okay, I'm the word ninja, so I really yes, like Yes, you that. are. <laughs> okay, so think of the word leverage itself, right? One of the things you can do with leverage is you can open things. So let's say you've got something like a door, it's shut tight. But if you took that crowbar underneath it and you got it in that little crack and you put the right amount of leverage or pressure on it, What's going to happen to that door? It's going to open. Mm-hmm. Right? Books opens doors. Right? So it's, but again, it's about using it. Right? Do not get into that field of dreams. You know, oh, I've written a book. Now all this stuff's supposed to fall in my lap. No, writing the book was the harder part. Getting it out there is even harder still. <laughs> now, that's not saying it's not doable. You see, it's actually not hard to get your book out there. That's not the hard part. The hard part is the consistency in mm. getting your book out there so that your leverage becomes momentum. Yes, that's huge. Look, you just you just ninjaed that. That was that was definitely some word ninja right there from leverage <laughs> to momentum. I love that. I love that because you know you bring up a lot of misconceptions that people have when it comes to both writing the book and what it takes to be consistent. I mean, that's the key word there. All right, it's time for a short break. Let's hear a word from one of our sponsors. Are you an author and ready to leverage your book? Maybe you have a great idea for a course or program, but you need help fleshing it out with someone and making sense of what you have. If that's you, I wanna invite you to schedule a free half hour strategy session with me. We'll take a look at your content together, talk about your goals, and I'll provide my professional and honest recommendations. No salesy stuff or surprises. So to schedule a call, visit theauthorsleverage.com forward slash course strategy. All right, now back to the show. So what are some other misconceptions and things that, you know, a lot of Uh, people who aspire to write or maybe have written before and just, you know, don't want to do it again or whatever the case is. What are some of those misconceptions and challenges that they have to face and overcome? You know, we live in such an online world and selling online is not always the easiest thing to do. Right. So I think one of the misconceptions is, is that you can only sell your book online. You can only sell your book on Amazon. So for me, I want to dispel that. And I'm not saying you can't do those things, okay? Like, most definitely, if you can conquer online, go for it, all right? But I want to dispel the myth that the only way to make money with your book is by selling it. 
because sometimes getting the book into that right person's hands can yep. make all the difference. Right? Sometimes just getting it to the right person can open up so many other doors for you. Especially when you're an entrepreneur. Like, it, you know, if you have high ticket clientele, you don't want them buying your book. Now, if they buy your book, that I mean, that's great. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you don't want to have to make them jump through that hoop. You know, if you're selling products and services that are a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars, you know, invest the cost in printing the book. Now, if your book is on Amazon, you can go into your back office, your Kindle back office, direct publishing back office, and buy author copies. On average, an author copy is anywhere between two to five bucks, depending on the size of your book, you know, how many pages, all that kind of stuff, right? And from Amazon, you can have it shipped them to, your, to their house or their business or whatever, right? So for probably less than $15, because the cost of shipping has gone up incredibly the, this last couple of years with COVID, for less than $15, you know, you can invest and potentially make a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, whatever it is that that you're selling, five hundred even. So it's about using mm -hmm. that book. Mm -hmm. Use it as the extended business card. Do do we have enough time for me to do a demonstration? Sure, let's go for it. Okay. So obviously with COVID, you know, not too many in-person events, but before uh, COVID happened. Um, when I was at events, this was a very effective thing I did to lead generate. So I'll just grab this other little book here. It's just easier to see. This one's called 31 Productivity Hacks for the there you go. Business Entrepreneur. And this is a book I wrote a few years ago as a challenge to myself to write a book in a weekend. It's about it's under 100 pages long. And it was just something I did for fun. So I don't actually sell this book. I give it away when people purchase, you know, my workshops and different things like that. But I would take this book with me from time to time just because it was one of my own. Now, when you're at a networking meeting and you meet someone, first of all, let them talk first. Determine right off. Ask some questions. Determine if they're a good lead for you before you even suggest doing this because you don't you want to make sure you're using your money wisely, right? Because you don't do this with everyone. So let's say you and I, I'm you know, you've introduced yourself and I think, oh, she'd be a really good client. So when I introduced yourself, I might say, you know, hi, I'm Kim Thompson Pinter, the extraordinary word ninja. You know, I'm also the author of 31 productivity hacks. And what I do is I hand you the book while I say it. So you keep one copy of the book with you when you go to networking meetings, just one. Mm -hmm. And you make sure it's kind of ratty, it's well-worn, it's well-used. Like it's not a copy that you give away, right? It's one, you know, you'd kind of be embarrassed to give away because it's kind of ratty. Okay. And so you hand the person the book. And the first thing, you know, what do people do when they get books? They're going to open it up. They're going to look at the table of contents. They're going to scan through some pages and start reading. Let them. Just stand there. Let them do it. Don't say nothing. And then if they if they shut the book really quickly and you can tell by their body language they're not interested, just take it back and start a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Don't even worry about it. You know, like if, if it's a negative response, 
that's not what you're looking for. Right. But if they're smiling, if they're reading it, you know, if they're enjoying it, as you take it back from them, what you're going to say, and you have to do this while you're taking it back, you take it back and you say to them, would you like a copy of the book? Right. Because you don't want them keeping this copy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they'll say yes. So you say to them in a very relaxed body language as if you really couldn't care less. You just say to them, well, you know what? I, I've got some extra copies at home. I'd love to throw you one into the mail. Can I get your name, your address, your email address, your phone number? 95% of people will hand that to you and not even blink. <laughs> Guess what you've just done? Generated a lead. <laughs> generated a lead for your business. So make sure that when you've promised to send out the book that you do, you know, always have a few books ready to go, like in envelopes and whatever promotional material and that, you know, already with the return address. So all you've got to do is just, you know, make up the mailing label and send it out to them. Right. So do that like right away within the next couple of days and then give it about seven to 10 days because it depends on the mail system. And you also want to give them some time to read it. But in seven to 10 days, you now have a reason to call them. So think about it. What's one of the hardest things in sales is starting that sales conversation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and getting it going. But if you've sent them the book, you now have a legitimate reason to call them. And so, you know, I could pick up the phone. Hey, Parcel, it's Kim Thompson Pinder. Remember we met at that networking event last week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you said you wanted a copy of my book. I, I mailed one out for you. Just wondering, did you get it yet? Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, right, right within that, you're already <coughs> embedding sort of the the follow up, right? The a reason mm -hmm. to follow up. That's really, really powerful in the in the sales process for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, from there, you're going to ask questions, what they read in the book. So here, here's a big thing. Here, here, here's the one question you have to ask, and then we'll we'll go back to the author's leverage. But I think this is the powerful part of the call. You've asked them if they read the book, and if they say yes, you say, what part stuck out to you the most? I'm doing a bit of, of research. I want to see, you know, where are people really getting benefit? And they'll tell you. And guess what? The area that impacted them the most is usually the area they're having the most problems in. Mm. So guess what? You now can have a full conversation on that, which can lead into a sales conversation. That's huge. So again, this isn't about sales, so we won't go into the whole right. sales process. <laughs> but again, it's just showing the power of a book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's incredible because it's about in in this particular case for generating leads, you were able to open up the conversation, present something tangible that they could check out, offer to send it to them, getting their name, email, address, all that. Uh, sending it to them with a reason to follow up. And then from there, they've opened up the conversation to what their needs or challenges are or the things that stuck out to them most about the book. And now you, you know, it's essentially what the book is meant to do. You have that attention now. You have that conversation in motion. And that's that's really what I think is so powerful about books is that it starts those conversations, whether uh, internally with another person or even for the sake of word of mouth and referring the book. I know a lot of people hear about books because of someone else. Oh, I just read this book. It was so good. You know, so I just love that it just 
it starts that conversation and what to do afterwards is 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 really what I get excited about too because uh, you know, in particular in our business, we're helping authors take that book and now actually have a digital product in the form of an online course that they can also point people to. And so what have you seen other authors do or maybe the authors that you've worked with um, that has led to something different? Maybe it was an online course or um, a speaking engagement, things like that. Um, I know you talked about Larry in particular, but is there another case that was different uh, that you could share that was successful for an author on the back end of their book? Yeah, I don't have her book here. I've been waiting for it to arrive in the mail. I have a feeling she forgot to send it to me. I'll have to contact her. Mm -hmm. But her name is Sherry Lewick. And her book is called My Skeletons Have Names. And it's her personal story of how she survived, you know, 40 plus years of abuse between her her parents, uh, three narcissistic husbands, um, a boyfriend after the third husband who tried to kill her. I mean, she's almost died so many times. I, I, I kidded with her that she has more lives than the cat. You know, God's got a reason for her because she's got more lives than the cat. <laughs> um, you know, she was addicted to alcohol and drugs and different things like that. Um, her kids were in a terrorist attack. Like, I mean, it goes on. I mean, the the book is just full of stuff. And she has taken that book and used it to start her business, coaching other people. She's created courses from the book. Um, You know, she has just really used the book powerfully. But, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, my author to authority book, and I before like I told you just before we went on live the printed copies the first printed copies are arriving here at the house this afternoon mm-hmm. so author to authority teaches you about the power of authority marketing and then how to use a book to build your business bigger stronger faster but one of the things that I talk about is the authority marketing trifecta and in that is online courses because you know when you can leverage your book into an online course. You see, you know how I told you that you're not making money from selling your book? And that's the truth. But it doesn't mean you can't make money from your book. One of the ways that you do that, and this is where you so specialize in it and just amazing at, is converting that book into that online course, that powerful tool. So now the you think of it, if, if you've ever studied online marketing you know have you heard the term of funnels correct you know an online funnel so think of your book as the top of this online funnel so whether you know you 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 give the book away whether you know a lot of um online funnels have it so you just pay shipping for the book so basically you're paying the book is free you're just covering the shipping costs right and here's a little secret (laughs) most of the times that shipping cost actually covers the cost of both printing the book mm-hmm. and mailing it. So you have a lot of options there. So, you know, and there are places that will actually print and ship the book for you. So, you know, there's a lot of options when it comes to that. But when you think of it as your online funnel, you know, the top of your online funnel, your book is what gets people to buy your course. Right? When you've already proven your skills, knowledge, talents, abilities, then when you offer them a course in the book, they're like, okay, this book is great. 
this book is amazing. I bet you the course is even better, right? So you transition them from the book to the course. And then from there on, you know, you can even think of it bigger from the course. You can do personal coaching, group coaching. If you have, you know, um, high level services, your course can then go from, you know, a basic course into a high level done for you service, right? So it, you know, you can really think big in terms of, of what your, your book can do. You know, Larry's book, he does have a small online course, but that's not the main focus, but there's some people who take the course, but his main focus is taking it from having, you know, CEOs and top managers read it to having them do team reads. So they'll bring Larry in to do a team read. So, you know, the, the every week or two weeks, whatever, everyone will read a chapter and then Larry will come on, you know, online as a group and they discuss it from there into personal, you know, personal coaching where he travels around the world, you know, obviously once things open up and coaches as well. So, you know, don't just think of it, you know, like definitely do the online course. But, you know, think of it bigger as well. Where can that online course then lead to as well? That's amazing. And and thank you. I know that because um, that, that's huge. There's so many options that are available on the back end of the book. There's the course speaking, you know, stages you can be on as a result, media outlets that want that expert to come on. The list goes on and on and on. That's why I just love this topic. So, um, and I'm, I'm really excited too about your book that's uh, about to hit the author to authority book. And you have uh, some samples as well that people can check out. So I do want to mention that, that if you want to get, um, for those that are listening, if you want a, a sample of Kim's book, I definitely recommend checking that out. We're going to have a link to that in the show notes here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious for you to share a little bit about what people can expect from that, uh, from that sample and then overall uh, in the book as well. So here's the thing. You do not have to be an author to be an authority. But think of it. What is the word authority based on? It's based <laughs> on author. So in my book, Author to Authority, I teach the six key building blocks of authority marketing. What are the areas that you have to build in and how do you build in so that you become visible, so that people can see you? Because that's what authority marketing is. It's, it's about two things. It's, it's about gaining the visibility and then letting people see you as that credible expert. Now, here's the secret. You can do all of that. You can build authority marketing without ever being an author. So I don't want to lie about that. Like, I, I hate... I hate it when, when people try to trick you into things, mm -hmm. but you can do it 10 times faster when you are an author. Okay. So it's not that you, you have to be an author to do these things, but if you are an author, you have an advantage, a huge advantage over those who are not. So the first couple of chapters, which you, of the book, which you can get for free talks about the basics of authority marketing and talks about the six key building blocks. So marketing, sales, your communication skills, networking, social media, and promotion. And it gives you some basics to work with on what to do. Now, the rest of the book expands all of those six out. Then there's a full chapter on how, you know, when you use a book, it, it helps you to do everything faster. And then there's a whole concluding chapter on that gives you a full action plan for no matter where you are, are at. So if you're a new entrepreneur and you're invisible, 
there's a game plan for you. Are you at that expert stage where you're starting to get known? There's a whole action plan for you. Are you hitting the authority stage and want to know how to really ramp up your business? Well, that's there too. So the book covers everything you need to know to get started and move th forward. And you know, within the space of time, now you got to understand it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to become an overnight sensation. This is not a, a get rich quick. You do nothing, you know, and all this. But what it does is it gives you tangible actions that you can do on a regular basis. So over the course of the next few years, yes, I said years, right? I'm always <laughs> honest years, you know, usually three to seven more action you put in usually the faster it is. But let's say, let's say you give yourself seven years, but what if at, at the seven year, seven year mark, you could know that you have a massive growing, thriving business. You know, you're known at least nationally, maybe even internationally, you've got business coming into you. You've got clients referring to you. You're found all over social media. You're on stages. You're all over the place. People know your name. So when you walk into the bar, they go, Norm! <laughs> if you're old enough to remember, cheers. <laughs> uh, you know, so again, it's a process. But the book teaches you everything you need to know to get started. And you can go to authortoauthority.com forward slash or backslash forward slash. I can never remember which one it is. <laughs> anyway, slash. Slash. Get dash the dash book. Awesome. Awesome. I love how honest you are in, in how you let people know, uh, you know, that it's it's not a get rich quick thing. This is something where you really want to think about the word that comes to mind for me is your legacy, right? Your legacy mm -hmm. and what you want to leave behind isn't something that's going to happen in the next two, three months, right? It, th we're talking, yeah. you know, like you said, that three to seven years and beyond, you know, mm -hmm. of the impact that your book can have. So we really do want to think that far ahead. And so I, I love, I love your approach to that and how just realistic you are with setting the expectations of what someone can, uh, can look for because, the impact and the, the the outcome of this kind of work really is powerful and it um, stands the test of time. So true. So true. But you have to be willing to commit. Yes. Right. And do the actions. A hundred percent. hundred percent. It's worth it. So I know we got to close soon, but just, you know, think of it this way because I love giving analogies. So did you know it takes about 60 to 70% of the fuel in a plane to get it up into the air and flying? Mm. And as that plane's rising, all it's doing is burning fuel, burning fuel, burning fuel, and not a lot of results. It's chug, 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 chug. Okay. It's the same in your business. Once you get up there, it takes very little gas to fly a plane. It can fly forever on, you know, that 30% of gas. It's the same in your business. In the beginning, you're going to put out a lot of effort. You're not always going to see results. It's the truth. Some things you do, you won't, won't receive any results on, which is the really rough, hard, disappointing, <laughs> frustrating part of it. Yeah. <laughs> part that just stabs you in the heart, right? <laughs> but if you can get consistent in the action, you see consistency and momentum are best friends. And the only way you get to meet momentum is if you go through consistency, you become best friends with consistency. Momentum notices you 
Hmm. Right? So if you if you if you make that goal, let's say you make it a goal for two years you're going to do that consistent action. You know, and there's all sorts of different actions you have to need to take, and that's outside the preview of this podcast because I can go on for hours. But the actions that it takes to gain that authority marketing, and you do it for two years, at the two-year mark, you're going to start to really see some results happening. It's not that you don't see any results before that, so I don't want to lie either. I don't want to tell you you're going to work two years for nothing, yeah. right? But you're not going to see the massive results that you want. Now, starting year two to three, if you're consistent, you know, you're really hitting into that good expert stage. People are starting to know you. You're getting referrals in. There's things happening and it's exciting. Your business is growing to the point, you know, you've got to start bringing other people in to help you with things because you can no longer do everything on your own. Like it just that that point, things just start to happen, you know, and then if you're more consistent again, then you really hit that momentum point and it's like all of a sudden all the action you've done it's like it's like this harvest you know it's just been you 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 and then a few a few a few a few but then all of a sudden you've done enough that all of a sudden it's not just you anymore it could be a hundred a thousand people who are now out there actively promoting you as well and so your business just explodes and that's when like it's fun Woo. I love that. That's probably the best thing you said today that I uh, that I'm sticking with me. Consistency and momentum. Consistency and momentum are best friends, and momentum shows up after consistency is in place. Man, that's that's powerful, Kim. Thank you so so much for those listening. Please, I highly recommend checking out Kim's book that's coming up. Um, probably at the time of the release of this episode, it'll be up and available for you guys to go and check out. And again, the links are going to be in the show notes here, author to authority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. So Kim, thanks again so much for being here. This is such a great conversation. You and I tend to talk. <laughs> so this was this was a treat. So um, thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, by the way, you guys, Parshel was on my author to authority podcast, too. So if you want to hear more of her, come on over and check it out. Hey, thank you for that, Kim. I, f- I forgot about that. We did do that that episode. See, we've, we're always talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, So, so good. Uh, Thank you all for joining us again. This is The Author's Leverage. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Author's Leverage. You can subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, do me a favor. If you found this helpful, leave us a review and share this episode with someone it could help along their journey. To check out more resources, visit theauthorsleverage.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time.